0: Hi, and welcome to Whole Heart Transformation. I am Melissa Alguera, your personal identity life coach. Let's go to the podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. So today I have a very special guest, and it's what I promised you. So welcome uh, my husband, Malachi Alguera, to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. um, So this is going to be a fun session, I think, today for me, but probably not for you.
1: (laughs) I'm sure I can find a way to make it fun.
0: All right. Well, let's just get right into it. So a couple weeks ago, I shared my side of the story, kind of my interpretation, and I thought it would be fun. (laughs) I say fun. Uh, It's Let's not say fun. It's literally been a living hell for us.
1: It's been torturous.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but I say fun, but I really mean like interesting to hear your side of the story and what you experienced really in living a double life for many, many years.
1: The majority of my life.
0: Yes. So um, I do have some questions for you, but is there anything you'd like to say or share before we get started?
1: No, let's jump in.
0: Okay. So um, you mentioned to me a long time ago that when you saw pornography for the first time, you became instantly addicted. And I guess I never really understood that. So would you like to share a little bit more about what that means?
1: Yeah. um, So to set the scene, um, this happened when I was about 11 years old. And um, there was two initial exposures. And I can't remember exactly which was first. But the first exposure that I'll mention was um, in a neighborhood kids' home, um, all I remember—it's it's pretty, uh, pretty foggy memory. But what I remember is, we went into this kids' home, we went upstairs, um, and it was it was during the day. But in the bedroom that we went into is really dark, and the older sibling, I think it was, was watching pornography on this little—I think it was probably like a little, you know, twelve-inch TV. Um, so that was the first. Um, so it was like
0: live action?
1: It, it was like, it's probably a VHS tape. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the initial exposures. The other was um, we lived in a neighborhood where there was like a community playground um, with all, like a neighborhood or a community pool. And um, some of the older kids who were probably teenagers, um, maybe early teens, they um, they had a stash of playboys that they hid near the playground pool area. And so I remember, you know, being a kid and seeing the older boys sort of sneak behind the bushes and, you know, looking at whatever it was. And so they left and then I went and I looked at what it was. And um, to this day, I still can remember some of the images and um at the time i didn't really know what it was that i was looking at i kind of knew it was like exciting kind of knew it was like wrong but it was just one of those one of those things where um i just kept going back like day after day and i didn't realize that um it was this compulsive thing all i knew is that i kept getting drawn back to look at these until um one day they were gone
0: wow so like you were experiencing this need to go back to continue to look at the pictures or the magazine that you were seeing was there any different magazines there or was it just the same magazine that was stashed there day after day
1: i think there might have been one or a few magazines. Um, I can't remember exactly, but it was, it was one or a few.
0: So would you consider this to be sort of a ritualistic type of behavior that you started by going back? Like, did you go like at certain times of the day or, you know, what was it that led you back there? And how many times a day, if you don't mind me asking, do you remember going and doing this?
1: Uh, I don't remember it being ritualistic in any way. Um, it was probably over the course of probably not even a week, um, and it was maybe once a day. I don't I don't recall going back multiple times a day. Um, I just remember sort of sn- like looking around, checking my surroundings, and then like sneaking into the bushes to where the stash was hidden yeah um and yeah i think it was it was gone probably within a week
0: okay i'm gonna go outside my question for just one minute because i know we talked about some things before but i just was wondering what was it like for you do you even remember what it was like to go back and it not be there but having that expectation that it was like you could go back and then it wasn't there
1: um Well, I just remember going back each time and it being kind of uh, me being nervous about being caught, mm-hmm. um, which is weird, like that early on thinking just that it would be bad if I was caught because I didn't really have much of an understanding of what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have a, a vague recollection of just being um disappointed that it wasn't there anymore
0: yeah makes sense especially after it being something new and it's interesting that you say just that um kind of like that fear of possibly being caught and not even knowing that it was something that was wrong it's not that you were taught that it was wrong is that what your experience was you weren't really taught that this something like this was wrong
1: yeah well what i remember is around that time was kind of when my parents they they didn't really give me the sex talk but instead they gave me a book about sex to sort of teach me about it um they and i remember they didn't even talk to me about the book from from my recollection they just said here like read this wow um and so it probably taught me the the birds about the birds and the bees i I remember it was like a a kid's illustrated book Mm. um but i don't remember it ever mentioning pornography uh specifically
0: yeah yeah that's hard especially if you are finding something this graphic and not seeing anything like that before or really knowing anything about that and then now you're like hooked on it you know you have to go back and like see it again and see it again and then losing it almost too and and not really understanding why or where it went and all of that as a kid. It must have been really difficult for you.
1: Um, I can't really remember if it was difficult. I just remember feeling disappointed that it wasn't there.
0: Anymore. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Okay, so um, the other question that I had was, what was your experience when you started to live this type of double life?
1: well i guess what my experience was is for context you know my my parents were pastors Mm -hmm. and all i knew is that the behavior that i was doing was wrong and i didn't want my parents to find out and so a lot of it was just trying to hide the behavior from my parents um and also at that time, you know, I was getting into junior high. I started getting more involved with worship, and so, you know, I these two different lives started to diverge. Mm. Where I was getting uh, deeper and deeper in this. At that time, is just inappropriate behavior with girls, but also I was getting more involved in ministry and um trying to live what i thought was a godly life and um they just were it was like oil and water um so they at that point they just kind of and they they began to go separate ways and so um my life just be, began to become more um duplicitous i guess yeah. would be the word yeah
0: yeah and even as you're describing that like process I'm I'm actually feeling a little more connected to you and understanding that because like the process of that, you're saying like, w- like with the addiction, like you became deeper in that and also like going even further and more connected almost in church, not maybe connected isn't the right word, but like your involvement, not only were you just like the pastor's kid, but now you're becoming like involved in worship and then eventually like a worship leader and
1: well, and not only that, but also, you know, when I look back now, I did. I don't think I recognized this back then, but looking back now, um, you know, the behavior was trying to, um, to numb this pain of, um, of you know, emotional neglect from my parents, mm-hmm. and so I think what I was was thinking either subconsciously or maybe not not even so subconsciously, was if my parents found out about what I was doing, it would cause even more disconnection than I already had wow. as well. Yeah. So not only was I trying to hide the behavior and keep it secret because um, I felt that it was wrong, but also because I suspected that if my parents found out, which occasionally they found out like little bits and pieces, but um as far as I know, they never really knew the full scale of what I was doing, but my fear was that if i if if they did find out that there'd be even more um uh, i guess you could say um
0: like disconnection,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And that makes sense. So, and so, like, with when you started the addiction, um, just kind of going back for a second to get a little more clarity. So, it started out with just pornography use and like searching for pornography. And then it eventually went into physical acting out with people.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you, if you've ever been around sort of the sex addiction uh, podcast world, or the sex addiction recovery world, mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys who are around my age, you know, mid thirties, early to mid thirties, who around this time was when the internet really started to um, come into uh, it became more common and more easily accessible. So, is the world of America online and? Um, mm. And, you know, all, all that stuff. And so, um, I ended up, I ended up finding, or I actually remember seeing this news report on, I believe it was ABC News, because back then that was what my family watched was ABC News. And, and, and like,
0: how old were you at this time? When you say uh, like 12, 13?
1: Yeah, yeah, around that time. Okay. 12, 13, uh, 11 or 12. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, And they had this story about how there was this porn site that um, they bought the web domain of the White House. Mm. And so, I mean, thinking about it now, this is how evil the porn companies are and how they're trying to target kids. Mm -hmm. Even back then, when the Internet was first starting they bought domains that were um, of of high interest. Mm-hmm. That way people, when they're searching for something totally innocent, they would end up on these sites. Yeah. So um, I say that just to say, um, you know, when I was that young, when the internet was first um, getting popular, I remember seeing this news story on TV and thinking oh my gosh like this is a way that i can find porn is like i can go on the computer and just type in this web address mm-hmm. and um i can find it and and again like just like i said with the magazine i can still remember like the layout of that website mm. um and i remember like actually pulling it up at um a li- on a library computer mm. um But yeah, so it just, it was that early that I started pursuing it a bit more.
0: Yeah, so crazy too. Like, I just think about, I mean, your family history, like, and like this type of behavior running down the family line, you know, and how... Like, like I never saw any of those things, you know, like this doesn't run in my family as far as I know, but I never saw any of those things. And so how wild is it that it was like to you, like exposed in these ways? And I mean, I hung out with neighborhood kids. I like I would go off down the street like my, you know, like a mile and we would go off and play in the fields and do crazy things. And I never was exposed to anything like what you were. So I just find it fascinating that here it is, like this family history of, you know, infidelity that has just carried on for only God knows how long. And then um, an and sex addiction carrying on. And then here it is you who's innocent being exposed to it, like around the same times as so many people have said between the ages of eight and 11 and these formative years. Um, what a trip. So, Yeah. Um, okay. So with that being said, you, we were talking about that duplicity and that was like really like impactful for me as you're sharing that, because I'm like, wow, like that was a progression. It wasn't just like, okay, one day I just lived this double life. Like it was a progression of like having a total split life in both areas. Um, and so what was that like for you as far as, were you able to ever comprehend the fact that you were living two lives or was it like just normal because you were so young when it started?
1: Um, I don't know that I ever felt normal. If anything, it felt abnormal. And I think that's what made it worse is mm. that as a kid, um, I felt like what I was doing wasn't normal, um, and I felt like it was wrong, and I I just thought that all the other kids were doing normal things, and I was doing these things. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's like a good, uh, it's a good, you know, answer, I think, like, just your experience is what really I'm trying to get at. Like, so for you, it wasn't like this normal experience. What you're saying is, is that you actually felt abnormal as you're watching other kids, you know, talk about like their life and what they're doing, and you're like over here and living two different worlds.
1: I mean, not just that, but also you know, growing up in the church, um, I always felt like, it was also normal in a sense to have those kinds of struggles. Mm -hmm. Like how, you know, Paul was saying, was it Romans 8? You know, that he does the things that he doesn't want to do and doesn't do the things that he does want to do. Yeah. Does want to do. Gosh, it's horrible English. (laughs) Or maybe it's Romans 6. But you get what I'm saying. Like, so part of it was like, okay, like, I'm just dealing with normal issues. Mm -hmm. But also maybe it's just the, the church culture I grew up in, or just our church culture in general, that just hides the uh, hides the faults mm-hmm. that we're that we're dealing with, hides the the sin, and um, just tries to put on this facade that everything's good and you're blessed with heaven's best.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's just typical church culture in general. I don't think it's just you know, the church that you grew up in, but you definitely grew up in a fishbowl and that had to be so much harder because the expectation, I wonder, was like higher because you did grow up in that, you know, scene with your parents being pastors and leaders. And then here's their son who is, you know, you know, on worship, but also he's behind the scenes acting out sexually with other people, you know, so I'm sure that that had to be really hard for you and having these two worlds, you know.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Okay, so fast forward to um when we meet, um and, you know, I've heard a lot of a lot of addicts say like they thought that marriage would fix their uh sexual problem. And it kind of goes back to something that you were saying about, you know, just thinking that this was a normal thing because, oh well like all men deal with lust or like, this is just a struggle that men have. Um, however, I just want to say like kind of a side note now, like the, the rates of like pornography use for men and women are almost equal, which is crazy when you think about it, because we thought that this was just a man problem, which is really funny to say too, because it's women that are most, we're doing like a lot of the posing and pictures and pornography. And that was what you know, was the big hype for so long, but they're the ones who are doing this. Um, but yet, like, supposedly it was a man's issue. And now we're seeing that it's almost just as equal with women right now.
1: Yeah, I was just reading in Jay Stringer's book, Unwanted, um, you know, the stats that he had, which, I mean, his book came out just, what, two or three years ago, three years ago, maybe. And the stats that he had were uh, was that, I think it was one in three women Mm. um, look at porn like once a week. Yeah. Um, And then there's studies that are coming out um, even more recently where it's it's turning out that women um, end up being um, uh, being women are more likely to um, what's how am I? trying to figure out how to phrase this basically women are more likely to cheat than men um in the the more recent studies
0: oh wow yeah well and i wonder too and i forgot i had asked you something i'll have to come back to it but i wonder too if women haven't shared the issue with porn because really for women it's more shameful it's they get labels that men don't get you know for for men it's been so normalized like this is a man issue like oh all boys do that like this is a boy thing oh boys will be boys whereas like women you know they're considered to be sluts or whores or whatever if they are doing stuff like that so it's the shame level is so much higher for women so we don't really probably even know the scale of how really like I mean, it could be more. Like, women could actually have this problem even more than men, but it's probably not discussed as much.
1: I I would guess that it's that the rates have increased a lot over the last four to five years, mm-hmm. just because of the normalization of it in our society.
0: Yeah, and accessibility to porn and uh, dating and hookup apps. You know, it's very common now, and then it's like an easy. Well, it seems like it's an easy fix to a need um, that is super deep. But it's not because, you know, obviously it doesn't leave you feeling full. It leaves you feeling more empty. Oh, yeah. But, okay, so... Oh, marriage. That's what we were talking about. So, okay, so so what we've talked about is that thinking that marriage will fix the problem. So can you speak a little bit about that?
1: I can try. What's weird is I don't ever remember hearing explicitly that um, if you have these issues, getting married will solve it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've heard probably dozens of men say the same thing. That they thought that when they got married, their issues with porn or lust um, will just go away because they'll just be able to have as much sex and um, as... like all kinds of sex that they want with their wives Um, but I'm not sure where that misconception came from Mm -hmm. Um, I mean I know we've talked about this but the only thing that I can think of is the misinterpretation of that verse in the Bible that says it's better to marry than burn with passion
0: yeah well and then there's the other one too about husbands and wives like not what is it, like withholding so that way you won't be tempted. So there's that factor too. Um, And it seems like this whole dynamic between sexuality and marriage and the belief system around being able to control yourself is all intertwined within marriage. So it makes sense to me that why people would believe that. But your own personal story, though, is kind of where I'm trying to go with that.
1: Yeah, so I'll... I'll start off by saying with me, cause I, I can't really speak for anyone, for anyone else. But for me, when I, when we got married, mm-hmm. um, my shame didn't lead, didn't disappear when we got married. True that. So not not only did I carry, um, all the shame of my behavior into our marriage, which caused, you know, um, cause issues with performing um and by performing i don't mean like trying to have performance sex but Mm -hmm. i mean just performing the act itself Mm -hmm. being you know not being able to perform when we were having sex right so there's the shame issue and then um i mean at that point i was addicted um so
0: you're talking about before we got married
1: like when we got married, I was addicted to pornography and sexually acting out with women
0: right prior though is what I want to just clarify like prior to our marriage, you were already addicted to those yes. things,
1: yes, for you know close to a decade by that point mm-hmm. so um, you know, I still had all those images um and all those all those memories, all those fantasies, those all got carried into our marriage, yeah, and um. You know, those things just don't disappear. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know where you want me to go from there.
0: Yeah, but no, and I, I think, like, that's a really huge piece saying, like, just because we got married doesn't mean that the shame left. And so the the question was more of, like, the thought of getting married would resolve those lust issues. And I think that, you know, that's pretty clear.
1: Yeah, I mean, though, there are two different issues, um, or I don't want to say two different issues, but it's an issue that is unrelated to marriage. Exactly. There's these, um, deep wounds and then there's this relationship that's, you know, God ordained. Um, and if anything, um, and this may be a little controversial, but if anything, um, The marriage is meant to heal those parts because, in my belief, um, you know, women are the helpmate and are meant to come alongside to uh, support her husband.
0: Yeah. I mean, that definitely can be the case for some marriages, right? Like for you, that's how it turned out. But then what happens when? it's the opposite where the wife is a sex addict and the husband is not, you know, then he's not necessarily the helpmate, but he can love her as Christ loves the church. Also having boundaries and not taking abuse, you know, Yep. because sexual uh, betrayal and infidelity is absolutely 100% abusive because it causes pain and trauma to the person who's on the receiving end of that.
1: Yeah. And so- just to clarify, I'm not saying that, a wife is obligated to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just speaking generally. God's uh, God's design for a marriage relationship,
0: right? Yeah, that we're so supp- we're actually supposed to heal together and with each other. Not that the other person is the one who heals us, but we work through all of that together and build something new—a new family dynamic, a new attachment, a new bond that is separate from what we. Brought into the relationship.
1: Yeah. And just to add another sort of spiritual element to this, um, looking, if we go all the way back to the garden, um, it was Adam and Eve both who made different decisions that were wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, They both felt shame for different things. They both um, ended up having different consequences for their actions. Mm. And they had to live out those consequences together um as as a unit
0: oh that's a really great perspective did you just think about that right now i did wow that was totally holy spirit okay well Mm -hmm. i like that um so okay i let's see what do i want to talk about next i've got all these really like good questions and i feel like they're oh i know what i wanted to ask you so kind of back up just for a minute before our marriage when you sought help um from a church that you went to to go and um You know, like you went to the church to to like learn how to be a pastor, a worship pastor. I don't know. Am I saying that right? You wanted to go to be like a worship leader. So tell me what happened with that.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So when I graduated high school, um, I wanted to go to Bible college. And um, my dream was to be a worship leader, um, uh, full time, uh, vocationally. And so yeah, so I went to Bible college, and while I was there, um, you know, the behavior continued. At that point, I was still acting out uh, with girls or with you know women. At that point, still looking at porn. Um, you know, I'd be in uh, in Bible college classes during the day, and then the afternoon would be on you know dating websites, trying to hook up with girls, um, and so. I realized though that it was something that I didn't want to do and it was something that I wanted to quit Mm. and so I went to the school counselor and was open with him like hey like I'm struggling with this with this stuff with pornography and hooking up with girls and I don't want to and so I saw him probably um on a weekly bi-weekly basis for a number of months
0: yeah and stop right there just for a second had you gotten help before up into that point no so this was the first time you had seen was this a was this a licensed therapist or just like the school counselor
1: i believe he was a licensed therapist
0: okay so this is the first time you're seeing a licensed therapist you're divulging your life you're sharing your secrets for the first time willingly with someone
1: yeah Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was desperate to to get healing, and I finally reached a point to where I was willing to, like you said, divulge mm-hmm. and and sort of disclose what I was doing. Um, and you know, maybe I felt safe because I wasn't at my home church, and because mm. um, it was sort of separated from you know my my life back home. Yeah. Um, but. Um, Yeah, so I ended up at one point after I'd been seeing this counselor for a while getting called into the dean and vice president's office. Mm -hmm. um, It was one of their offices. It was with the dean and with the vice president of the the Bible College. And um, they said that, I guess they had at that time like a a regularly scheduled meeting with the school counselors and they would sort of talk about what's going on with the students um and they would i i i can only assume that the counselors would just divulge what they were being told in the counseling sessions wow now this was in a different country
0: yeah
1: it was a a, 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 a an english speaking country mm-hmm. uh, is a western sort of civilized country mm-hmm. where my assumption is that there's supposed to be some sort of confidentiality yeah um i don't remember signing anything but i think it's pretty common in our western society that when you go to a, a therapist or a counselor that there's some level of confidentiality Mm -hmm. now what actually happened here I don't know all I know is the dean and vice president said um you're uh hooking up with girls one of whom is a member of the church and so we feel like we need to protect the flock and so um we're gonna give you the opportunity to resign from the Bible college
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, And I just remember, uh, gosh, it was such a surreal moment because I felt like, like my world was imploding Mm. and I was 18 or 19 at this point. I -hmm. must have just turned, I must have just turned 19 and so I was basically a kid Um, but yeah, just feeling like my world was imploding because I was getting kicked out of Bible college. Um, so I felt like, you know, my dreams were shattered. Um, I was going to have to tell my parents, um, that I'm coming home early, um, and dealing with whatever that means back home, you know, telling, you know, trying to figure out what to tell people. Um, and I just remember walking back to my apartment from that meeting, just feeling so depressed um, and just listening to, I can actually remember like what I was listening to on that walk back home, Mm. just feeling so depressed. Um, And it was a couple of weeks, I think, before I was able to actually fly home. And this is one of the things that that was really confusing and hurtful. Um, After the school leadership said that I need to resign, um, you know, I was still going to the classes because I was still there Mm -hmm. for a couple weeks. And so I was still going to the classes, but I was totally disengaged, sitting like in the back row. Um, And I remember the dean coming to me and saying, like, like, why are you, like, not engaged anymore? Like, if you were just more engaged, we might allow you to stay still. And I, I just was totally dumbfounded. Like, I yeah. had no idea what to think. Um, like, they asked me to resign. Like, I was arranging flights back home. Mm. And, you know, this total emotional mess... And I don't know. It was just really confusing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And were you having to deal with that all alone? Like, was there anybody that you were able to talk to in that time to like share like the pain that you were experiencing, the disappointment, the loss?
1: Oh no. Um, no, I had no one to share with. Now I, I did have a friend there Mm -hmm. who I had grown up with since I was a wee lad. Um, And, but I didn't feel comfortable to actually talk to him about what was going on.
0: Mm.
1: All I told him was that I was getting kicked out. And um, I just remember him being really mad and and upset
0: Mm.
1: at the fact that I was leaving early. I think he felt kind of like I was abandoning him. Mm.
0: Um, And he didn't know why you were getting kicked out.
1: I, I don't think I told him.
0: Yeah. So you're like literally alone. So it became more traumatizing for you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, um, we are going to end today and we'll have a part two. I think that'll be exciting because there's a lot more to this horrible story. A sequel. Oh, boy. But, yeah, thanks for coming on today and just sharing so vulnerably. And, like, you should be proud. This has been a really long journey and just being, like, one person has to feel awesome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. All right, you guys, thanks for listening. If you have found today's podcast helpful, please like, subscribe, and share. If you are interested in coaching with me, go to www.identitylife.coach. And you can also find me on Instagram, identity.life.coach.